Hey family, welcome to the Realizing Revelation 7-9 podcast, a Presbytery of San Fernando production. Realizing Revelation 7-9 means we are awakening to new meaning in Revelation 7-9, and we are working to make Revelation 7-9 a reality. <laughs> this week we connected with Moises and Sheila Bojorquez. They are the founding pastors of a new worshiping community called Next Generation Church LA. They join us and share with us their journey to church planting and the unique journey of establishing a new church identity that honors their Latino church heritage and makes space for people to relate to God differently. Here's our conversation with Moises and Sheila. Hey family, welcome to the Realizing Revelation 7-9 podcast, the Presbytery of San Fernando production. Realizing Revelation 7-9 means we are awakening to new meaning in Revelation 7-9, and we're working to make Revelation 7-9 a reality. This week, we get to hang with Moises and Sheila. They are church planners, new worshiping community leaders uh, fueled by our presbytery. They actually work and serve in East Los Angeles, but they're part of cyclical Los Angeles. They're part of some of our churches in the region, and we wanted to hear their story. We think that their story is really important and meaningful, and they can help us see God's work in the community and understand what it means to pursue Christ-centered diversity. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, give it up for Moises and Shayla. All right. <laughs> Come on. Thank you for the introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks, guys, for setting time aside. I thought that as I was thinking about this conversation, I'm remembering a conversation that we had a while back about your journey to like ministry again, because you guys grew up in a church community and I don't want to describe it or, or take your opportunity to describe it away from you. So I would love to hear about your journey as a couple mm -hmm. into ministry. And I want to hear about some of the church culture you experienced growing up that I think is kind of unique to that cultural context. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Um, want to hit it off? Okay. <laughs> um, so we both grew up kind of like in Christian homes, going to church. Um, and then we didn't meet each other until we were like teenagers. I was 16. He was 19. Mm -hmm. And we met at his uncle's church, actually. Um, mm -hmm. So prior to that, I had just been attending church as a child. You know, I didn't really serve. Um, so when we got into the part where we were serving in church and doing ministry, that's really when we encountered a lot of the hardships, I guess you can say, just mm -hmm. within our, uh, um, I think things that, that really are kind of like culturally, um, um, how, how do you say that? Kinda, specific or unique. Yeah, culturally specific to Latino churches. Or, I mean, I, obviously that's the world that we came from, so I don't know if it happens in other places, but I know that it happens mm -hmm. a lot in our um, Latino churches. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, we were in leadership and it, it had a really good parts to it. You know, yeah. we, the, there mm -hmm. was a lot of, of opportunity to serve and grow for young people. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we definitely weren't belittled for our age or anything like that. But there mm -hmm. was also this um, component of a very strong control. Um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, but we were serving like 24 seven Monday through Sunday. Yeah. Um, and that was just kind of like what we were used to. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, so then uh, when, you know, we eventually got married, which was actually a very whole, that's a whole other story. We had a very difficult journey in our relationship mm -hmm. and in our marriage because of where we were because of the control and, and, and all the input that leadership has in mm -hmm. the church in mm -hmm. Latino churches. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so we finally, we got, we were able to, to get married, get out of that environment and get married. That was the only way we were able to get married. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, we had our kids and we had this because we had come from this formation of, 
you know, always constantly working for the Lord. We mm-hmm. kind of were just doing that as a as a as a reflex. Like now we have kids and we're going to continue on that on that path. We're going to keep pushing, yeah. keep doing it. And and I just felt like like I just kept hitting a wall. I think both of us, yeah. but um, but I personally, from my my own experience, I just I just kept hitting a wall because I was like, why is this hard? I hadn't mm-hmm. accounted for the fact that I had like these other human beings now <laughs> mm-hmm, that I had mm-hmm. to take care of that normally yeah. when I would, before I would be like, okay, I'm going to church tonight. I would just grab my bag and go and pick up whatever youth I was leading. And now it was like, I'm going to church and I have a baby with fever or, um, mm-hmm. you know, I have, uh, I have kids who are just tired and who mm-hmm. nobody can watch while I'm doing ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was just this, um, I, you know, this shock sort of to, to my mm-hmm. system. And mm-hmm. we kept, so we kept at it for a few years, actually trying to do that. And then finally <laughs> we were in the process of trying to start our own yeah. ministry, uh, you know, to, to start a church because it was something that we felt called to for a long time. And mm-hmm. we were being mentored by, by a different pastor, um, uh, by, by a pastor in a different uh <laughs> Denomination. It's funny. I was going to say whose name is just to make a joke, but because <laughs> I could see the intentionality behind what you're saying. So anyway, joke yeah. break just to catch your breath and, and keep going. So you, you're being mentored by a pastor that didn't feel like the right fit. No, no, no. He was a, he was great. He was great. We were being mentored yeah, by complete him. complete opposite. Yeah. And, but he, you know, it was a, a huge difference from where we had come from because there was a lot more kind of like space for us to, um, you know, speak about not our feelings, but really to just, uh, freedom, freedom to be, you know, to be, I think we had never really experienced what it was like to be, um, to make our own decisions in ministry, Mm -hmm. you know, to, Mm -hmm. to, um, uh, really decide what steps we wanted to do. We were always told what steps needed to come next. Mm-hmm. And so this was really big. And I remember one of the things that he said, and he didn't even say it as um, uh, as advice. He kind of just threw it out there briefly in conversation. And I just felt it kind of like resonate, mm-hmm. you know, inside of me. And he's like, you know, uh, we were just talking about we were having, a, there was a lot going on in our lives. Um, uh, my brother had recently passed away. Uh, we had moved in with my parents, so we didn't really have a place of our own, and we were just sharing that with him. And he he kind of told us like, well, yeah, of course, you know, wait till you guys stabilize. Or he said, try to stabilize your family mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. you know, and then because the church will be a reflection of your family. And mm-hmm. I thought, duh, you know, <laughs> um, but I hadn't oh. really thought about that really before. So when he said that, I'm like, oh my god, you know, that's. Like after we went home from talking to him, you know, I spoke to my husband and I thought like, we can't really do this. He didn't say for us to back out of what we were doing. He just said it as part of the conversation. But I was like, I think that we need to focus on getting our family together, stabilizing our, our, our situation because we didn't have a place to live Mm -hmm. of our own. Like I said, we lived with my parents. Mm -hmm. We had had a place of our own, but, um, you know, when my brother passed away, just a series of events happened and we ended up living with my Mm -hmm. parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that from there on, we kind of went through, we went on, on like a five year hiatus <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because mm-hmm. of that. We weren't expecting it to be that long. We thought it was just going to be just while, while we, um, you know, find a place, which probably after that, it took us about a year to find a place to, we actually ended up buying a property. God bless mm-hmm. us with that. It was amazing. Um, but there was so much more to it. We had to do renovations. We had to get like financially stable. It ended up, you know, becoming so much longer mm-hmm. than we expected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, finally, this it, it, after five years, it was in July of this year, you know, we, we um, uh, decided we were going to start, you know, going back to church. That was our first step. We're like, we're going to go back to church and, uh, that's all. We're not going to serve because we felt like we didn't want to rush things because we were trying to rush things in the past and it didn't work out for us. Mm-hmm. So we're mm-hmm. going to go back into this and and uh, we're not going to do anything, nothing. And then I told my husband, you know, they're going to, my husband plays music and I told him, you know, they're going to ask you to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to do anything. He says, I'm not going to do Nothing. anything. You know, I just want to focus on, on, um, 
you know, growing and just, you know, waiting till, till God, you know, calls us back mm-hmm. <laughs> into what we were waiting mm-hmm. for. And, um, so that's what we did. We went back to church. It was, uh, actually for, uh, uh, the week of Easter. And we went back mm. with Pastor Felix uh, Acosta. He's actually um, uh, somebody who we care for deeply. He's We've known him for many years. And that's where we were uh, going to when we first started our, when we were planning on starting our church plan. Mm-hmm. So when we went, of course, you know, uh, uh, we started feeling the tug of kind of like get back, getting back into the motion of things. And we were resisting. Um, but what really you know, catapulted us into now planting the church is just the day that we went back to church in April, a lot of the people that we had kind of like our small group with in church were there. They hadn't been to church for years since we left. And they had all decided to go that Easter, that Mm. week of Easter. And they were kind of like wanting uh, to start. they They wanted to be able to go again, but they didn't feel connected to the Spanish church. So mm-hmm. they wanted a, they wanted that they wanted to be part of it, but they're like, you know, I, I tried coming and I just don't fit. I don't, I'm not feeling too comfortable. And and you know, they remembered us from being in our small group and they were like kind of uh it, it just it just sparked something in mm-hmm. us. So we we mm-hmm. thought about it, but we weren't sure because we didn't want to get into anything. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But things just kind of started falling into place and and we definitely, even though we were resistant and we were all like trying to take it slow, I feel like, or we both, you know, talked about, we both feel like God really just launched us right into it. And mm-hmm. we thought that it wasn't time yet. And we were really just basing it on past experiences. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, God probably brought us back for this specific time. <laughs> and mm. we're so thankful for that. And here we are yeah. talking to you. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, what's interesting is that back in 2016, when this all started, because that's uh, that's when your your brother had passed away, and that's at the same year was when we started. It was July, July, uh, July, and uh, we wanted to start another church plant at the time with the people, kind of like with the people we have now. And you know, the ball was rolling. We're doing Sunday services while they're doing Spanish services at the church, and we started doing Bible studies and everything, and. And that's when everything happened. You know, my wife's brother passed away. I got in a car accident. Um, it, it was crazy time. And to what Sheila was saying, it goes deeper now because at the time we really didn't have a home. We, at the, there's a certain point where we were homeless. <laughs> mm-hmm. We had like stuff in storage, all our furniture, all our big stuff, that like all our clothes at her mom's house. And then we couldn't stay there anymore. And then we're like sleeping at her aunt's house all the way in downtown LA. So it was mm-hmm. just this back and forth and, and we're just not sure what was going to happen, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, to God to give the glory because, you know, he ended up opening doors for us to have this home we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, but to what she was saying, when we started doing, when we got out of the situation we're in, the church where we met, um, we're so used to doing 24-7 because, you know, we're young. We were like, it was just us two, you know, we would wake up, be done with, we were like counting the minutes for work to finish and we would go straight to church, be the first one there to turn on the sound. I'll set up the equipment. We're just there ready to go pick up youth from their houses because we have cell groups and everything and, and boom, mm-hmm. Friday night services with all the youth and everything. And then, so we try to like transition all of that over as transitioning adults mm-hmm. with kids and, and work and, and rent and bills and it was so hard. It was so hard because at the time, during that time, I think it was 2014, 2013, we, we, uh, they asked us to be a youth, youth pastors. And, and we try to do the same thing. And it's just, it was so hard. It was so mm-hmm. hard to do that. Right. And at the same time, mm-hmm. we're the worship team. So we're dealing mm-hmm. with that and then dealing with youth. And then, and on top of that other responsibilities. So it was so hard. It was hard trying to navigate all that, that new life that we were in and applying church work our and service our old values and everything to it. So it was really hard. Yeah, at the same mm. time, what's frustrating was um, it was frustrating because we kept on hitting a wall. You know, we, it's, it, it was hard. It was like, it's, it's not working out. You know, it's something's not working at the same time. It was hard too for us because, you know, um, we didn't really have that uh, um, a team to, to have around. 
to help you mm-hmm. to to move mm-hmm. forward with it, with these endeavors. So it was really hard. We kept on hitting a wall. Uh, and even before that, I remember telling my wife, I'm like, you know what? I, because, you know, since we we're young, when, when my wife accepted Christ, she was ready to like love God and serve God. You know, and when I accepted Christ, I, 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 I knew for that moment on, I'm like, I want to be a pastor. I want to pastor people. I want to mm-hmm. lead them to know God how I know God, right? To to experience mm-hmm. Jesus how I experience Jesus because Jesus is so wonderful, so awesome. I'm like, I want to know not just that feeling, but that conviction. He's so mm-hmm. amazing, you know? And I remember knowing I want to be a pastor. And from that moment on, I'm like, that was like my goal. I want to be that. But for this long time, there was this like, it's not happening. It wouldn't mm-hmm. work out. I remember mm-hmm. telling my wife, I'm like, there's a lot of my peers and people around me who would like probably go to seminar. They're doing all this stuff. And we're like, well, we're just, we're serving, but you know, it's just not happening, you know, but I'm like, all right, let's just keep serving, you know, and time would go on. And we had these other opportunities to serve and we kept on hitting walls and, and it just wouldn't work out. And I think this last time in 2016, where everything kind of just crashed, mm-hmm. we're like, okay, we're going to take time to just just wait, you know? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it felt pretty, you know, unmotivated, very disappointed, very mm-hmm. just like really down. I didn't think the prospect of, of serving, just serving, was, mm-hmm. in, 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 uh, um, was available anymore because of mm-hmm. the experiences they were having. And here come along five years down the road, you know, we added two more kids to our group or now <laughs> it went from two to four. And, and we finally finished this huge project that we we're doing with our, with our place where we live now. And, and, and the funny thing was that um, we were going, wanting to go back to church. You know, we want to get back into the group of things and, and we're just looking for different places to, to, uh, to, to congregate. And, and it just wouldn't work out. It was weird. You know, we would go, like, we would look up stuff on Instagram, on Facebook, and remember, oh, you remember this one church? Remember this one church? Let's go there. Let's go visit this place. And and every time we would go, I remember going to one church. It was, like, really close by to our house, and it just didn't work out. Like, there was nobody who watched our kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, That's important for Yeah, it was so important to us. Yeah, we can't go mm-hmm. to church and, you know, That's try to sit scary. down and worship God and hear the word of God, but then our baby's just crying, wanting to crawl under the, the yeah. seats and, mm-hmm. and do all this stuff. So, and there's nobody to watch the kids and it just, it was a complete fail. It's just mm-hmm. a complete fail. It didn't work out. And You'd be surprised how many churches don't have that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, why, why isn't this a, a, an option, a first option? But we just thought, okay, we, it's not working out. We didn't know why. So then we talked about like, okay, what if we go, because we had gone to pastor Felix, uh, Acosta's church. That's where we attended before the five-year gap. And we're like, let's go back, you know, but we're going to tell them we don't want to serve, you know, we don't want anything. We don't want nothing. We just want to sit down and receive, right. Receive the word of God. We want to worship God. Say hi to everybody and head home. Right. You know, like we're good. <laughs> and, and sure enough, we go back and like she said, you know, my wife sings also, you know, she tells me I play, but we, it's a duo here. So <laughs> I play for her. She sings. Um, but, you know, they asked us to play and I'm like, ah, oh. and I was like, no, I don't want to play. You know, I don't want, I don't want to get involved right now, but come on. So we end up just, you know, getting involved and along the way down the road, a couple weeks down the road, we just, <laughs> it was only a couple weeks and we're like, you know, we should we saw the people that we had in our Bible study before we, that we were having going to start a church with, and they were there. We met them during that week uh, of um, uh, Easter. Easter and, and they were going anywhere. They weren't going anywhere. They had nowhere to go. And they saw us and they were so happy. We we're so happy to see them. And, mm-hmm. and we're like, you know, we should talk to the pastor and ask them, you know, maybe we can have like a Bible study, maybe some kind of thing during the week where we can get them together and share the word of God and minister to them and all that. And, and and we talked it over and then eventually uh, the idea started, you know, moving along and it just turned into like, you guys should start something. Mm. And we're like, but we didn't want to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At first yeah. we're like, we're like, wow, we didn't want to do anything, but it just, it, it, it fit. It, it was right. You know, because whereas before we tried and it just wouldn't work out. Mm-hmm. We tried so hard. We tried all, we tried to use all of our resources, all of our experience, all of our the abilities that we have uh, uh, um, gained throughout the years of ministering to young people and try to do a young people, it just wouldn't work out. Mm-hmm. And and then this came along and it was just like, you know, like we didn't want to do anything, but then God's like, he opened the door. Like mm-hmm. these people just came. They just started coming. Mm-hmm. We want to, mm-hmm. we want something. And we're like, okay, 
our hearts were like, yeah, let's let's do it, you know. And and here we are being part of uh, uh, the presbytery, which we're like so. Um, we have no idea how this works. Yeah. <laughs> As you can tell, you know, like just, it's just we're Latinos, so we we come. A lot of us come from like non-denomination churches. Mm-hmm. So yep. the 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 stigma with uh, denominations is for Latinos. For Latinos. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to denominations. Mm-hmm. They, they're crazy. They 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 they, they want to control you. They want. There's all a lot of stuff. A lot. The list goes on, and that's why a lot of Latino churches really don't get connected with a lot of de- denominations because they're afraid mm-hmm. of a lot of stuff. But so for us, this is like brand new territory. Brand new territory. Mm-hmm. We're learning how everything works and everything. But here we are. Yeah. I, I think your story is so powerful. I think there's so many things that I think after you guys have shared Moises, I think it was interesting about like that, that hiatus of like when you thought you were going to do something, it reminds me of another guy named Moses who, Mm-hmm. Spent a hiatus and then got <laughs> called back into ministry, um, yeah. into leadership that he was kind of. I think I heard that guy. Um, yeah, uh, and and Shay, you know, I want to go back to something that you said when you talked about that feeling of being a person, and to me, so uh, let me locate myself a little bit. I grew up in Assemblies of God Church in the Inland Empire. Uh, it was mostly Latinos, kind of mixed. But it's very like Pentecostal. So I understood some of that feel. Yeah. Then I went to like this, you know, white mega church, um, white kind of like, I don't even know the right word for it. Definitely not Pentecostal, definitely kind of like non denominational church plant, but like mm-hmm. hipstery, great teacher, mm-hmm. you know, rocky kind of music or whatever. Then I went to like multi ethnic um, church. But then, I was a part of a, uh, a bilingual, um, mostly Mexican, um, brown, I'll say brown church. Se llama La Puente. Yeah. And then I was a part, then, then, so this is all like kind of where I went to church. And then I started working for churches. And I, my first church job was with a black church. And that was like a whole new culture that I'd never really felt before. Wow. But when you talk about the, the power or the way that control happens from a leadership position yeah. in some of those spaces. I'm not going to say every space is like that, but yeah. Yeah. in the space that I was in, it felt like, okay, this pastor has the control and even all the mechanisms that are designed to create checks and balances, that person is in control of those people. So like he, that, the pastor is choosing every single like board person, all the board mm-hmm. people are mostly like all yes people all the staff people mm-hmm. are mostly yes people mm-hmm. and nobody really disagrees with the pastor. I did. Yeah. And I ended up fired later on down the road, <laughs> which is fine. Like I'm really grateful for that. Now yes. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful for the exposure and I'm grateful that I didn't stay longer. And, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. so when you talked about like some of that, that's what came up for me. was like, Oh man, I remember being in those spaces where it was like, Church on Sunday, prayer group on Sunday night, small group on, you're in a small group Monday, you lead a small group Thursday, you have midweek service, you got the Friday night, you know, it's just like so much stuff all the time. And it really doesn't, I, it's a way of doing things and it works for some people. Like you said, like when you're Mm -hmm. in it, you don't, you might not be aware of it or when you grew up Mm -hmm. in it and like, this is where we go for like everything. You don't really experience like the, the dissonance of like, that's a lot, bro. Like we're, you're, mm-hmm. we're yes. doing a lot, like calm yes. down. And so, you know, that came up for me about that kind of way of doing things. But the reason I wanted to bring it up is because you said that even when you came back in July or in April, I'm going to say, is that April this mm-hmm. year, 22, mm-hmm. Yeah, April 22, you show back up at church and then you're still met with this group of people. And in my mind, I'm thinking second gen or first gen people yeah. were like your parents, they're all about that kind of culture. And I'm gonna say like Latino family, very like, you know, church is everything. Mm-hmm. But then when you have a generation removed from that, and that's who I think you guys represent, where you're mm-hmm. like, yeah. okay, well, we've been here before. We know what that tastes like, smells like, feels yeah. like, but like, yeah. this is not us anymore. But you're in this group and like there's a lot of people who feel the same way. Can you describe 
some of that feeling of like, like describe what you think they were feeling or what you're feeling when you're like, oh, is this is this like a lot like that? The people who said they walk back in, it's it's designed right. for them. It has them in mind. The worship experience is thinking about like them. Everybody wants right. young families to be a part of like their worship gatherings. Right. But there's a re- But for some reason, those young families, specifically in that context, felt like this isn't it. Can you describe why you think they felt like mm, this? This isn't quite where I'm at. Mm. This doesn't meet me where I'm at fully. You know, it's funny because that's actually exactly kind of like the demographic that we are. Our, our church or our church plan ultimately is going to be open to everyone, of course. You know, but mm-hmm. that's kind of the the goal demographic in mind is these Latino uh, young families, exactly Mm -hmm. like us, who kind of find themselves displaced within the church because they, um, you know, they, I would say, you know, my husband talked about this in one of our um, uh, meetings that we have Mm -hmm. with our English service about the Joshua generation, the the generation that um, Uh, ended up uh, uh. going into the promised land. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the things about them is that obviously they were all under 20 and they were the ones who had not experienced the slavery. But even though they hadn't lived through the slavery, they still knew God and they still had, um, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Mm-hmm. They, oh, they, they, honored, they, honored, they honored the past generations. That was a big thing about them. And in honoring their past, one of the ways that they honored it was by believing the, that the experiences that their past generation had, that it was real, that what they mm-hmm. went through really marked them. and mm-hmm. But they didn't participate in it, so they were able to have hearts that were clean enough to go into the, you know, they were, uh, uh, they, they weren't basically enslaved, because that's the thing about the, the generation that didn't make it, was that they were out of slavery, right, but they spiritually continued to be slaves. So mm-hmm. um, this generation didn't have that on them, and they mm-hmm. were able to take Different mentality, yeah. Um, <clears throat> So I feel like one of the things about about this our culture, um, about this group of, of this generation, is that we're we're kind of like in the middle too because we definitely love our parents and we want to honor them and that's why a lot of us continue to go to these churches yeah. that mm-hmm. are Spanish that we don't feel yeah. so in touch with, um, but we but we want to honor our parents and we believe in the God that they serve. But mm-hmm. we just don't find ourselves relating to him in the way that they do, yeah. mm. you know. So, so, um, and 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 we definitely saw. It, and it doesn't mean that God changes; He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, like the Bible says, right? But it's just mm-hmm. obviously, um, He's going to speak to us differently because our context and our and our and our the way that we're growing mm-hmm. up is different. You know, we have parents who a lot yes. of them you know, went through yeah. heck to get here, yeah. you know, and, and because of that, they, they see money differently. They see church differently. Mm-hmm. They see God differently. They mm-hmm. see family differently. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I don't, I don't say this with, um, I hope this doesn't come off. Like I'm not trying to be prideful or I'm not saying it with, like, I don't care about money. Obviously uh, stewardship is very important, but you know, mm-hmm. my, my mom would be like, look at the price of eggs and she'll say, Oh my God, they're so expensive. You know, uh, um, that's just an example. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, well, if I need eggs, I just get grab the eggs. You know, but that mm-hmm. that has to do with how they were brought up and where they came, the struggles that they faced. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like we're a lot like that generation. You know, that we definitely honor our parents, our our, our background, our roots. We love them. We love the God that our parents have taught us to believe in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we, we definitely have to allow him to move differently in our generation, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and and give him space to 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 really lead us in the way that he's gonna lead us to take what the promises that he has for us, the promised mm-hmm. land if you can call it that, you know. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Moises? Well, you know, it's uh, uh, to to what Sheila was saying. You know, we have this group of people that are that they're not fitting in, right? You know, and and we get that. We get that. It's because for both of us, um, since we we were we grew up in in a in a Spanish church, and a lot of the like, for example, on Sundays, we would minister, we would worship, but everything was in Spanish. Their Fridays mm-hmm. were in English, 
You know, mm -hmm. I think a lot of churches are like a lot of Latino churches. Friday nights are for their young people because they'll speak English, but Sundays is in Spanish. And when they come to church, they're like sitting there, they get it, they don't get it, they don't care, they walk out, whatever, right? And and we grew up, we understand that, you know, we get that. So, um, but we saw a need, you know, we saw a need and we thought, you know what, let's, let's start something for this group, you know, because it's crazy because there's a lot of these young people, uh, they're transitioning from... 16, 18, right? Because at, at first they're little, they're teens and their parents go to church and they have to go to church and they show up and the, the, youth, the youth pastor has its members, right? But at a certain point after that, they're like, I'm making my own decision. I'm gonna go to college. I'm gonna get a job. I'm gonna get a girlfriend. And you're transitioning from 18 to 22, whatever it is. And then they go from, I got a job now. I got a car now. I got a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. I have to have a baby now. I have a family. So this whole transitioning and a lot of these young people are like, where do I go? They don't want to go to Latino churches because sometimes they don't, the language, you know, they don't, they don't get it. Some of them are coming. They're like, I, I can't understand it. Even though they're, mm -hmm. they're first generation. And mm -hmm. there's other ones who are just like, you know what? I felt judged in the church I was going to. Yeah. I feel like they, they'll judge me for the, the, where I am right now at this point in my life. And I don't fit in. You know, I, there's so much stuff going on. And I'm like, I, 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 I don't fit. I feel judged, whatever it is. And then here we are in this space where it's like teaching them about who God is and, and, and their context and the way that they can understand and, and their language and and they're growing up. And like I said, like Sheila said, we still they still believe in the God that our parents taught us. Mm -hmm. You know, like they believe he exists. We believe that. But I feel that I'm an outsider, you know, in that in that world, yeah. you know, but here we're telling them, no, you're loved. You're loved, you're accepted, man. You know, let's take up our cross every day. But God loves you, you know. And, mm -hmm. and, and the, you know, the awesome thing about this is that in most churches, Latino churches, you see in English and Spanish. And say, okay, let's go bilingual. I, I don't want to lose those people, right? Let's put mm -hmm. them together and we'll have bilingual. And uh, the blessing and, and the favor and the grace that we found uh, with the our pastor that we have now, with Pastor Acosta, is that, he he's not he has shown that's why we love him so much because he has shown us to be so so freely just wanting to help wanting to just you know help us out and and, and growing this ministry because he could have been you know what this is the english ministry and this is the spanish and i want them together but he's mm -hmm. like no these people need to go somewhere and if mm -hmm. there's people here who need to find us place to to worship god and to learn about god do your thing mm -hmm. and you know you have a calling he felt Yes. You have a calling, yes. so instead of him hoarding, yes, and hogging all the people, yeah. he <laughs> provided a a, mm -hmm. a a way for somebody who has a calling for that to do the work mm -hmm. instead mm -hmm. of him taking it on. And sorry, no, to, yeah, yeah. but you know that's so actually one of the reasons why we value him so much yes. is because we came from an environment yeah. growing up where that was impossible. Mm -hmm. You hoard people. They never leave your church. And if no. they leave, it's a sin. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so huge to us for us to be here and, and know somebody like that um, who's willing to give away, you know, who's, not, to give yeah, away, yes. who's not trying to, to, to uh, accumulate or add on numbers mm -hmm. because ultimately it's for the kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the ultimate mm -hmm. goal. But um, yes, we came, the environment we came from, we didn't get into too much detail, but, you know, it was very... Uh, you know, when we left, we were in sin because we left. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when you wanted to buy a house or a car, you had to consult with your leaders and see if they felt confirmation from God. Mm. <laughs> if that was yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was really, and we, and you know, we were young and impressionable. Yeah. yeah. Um, my husband, I have to say, I didn't give him too much credit. <laughs> I didn't give him too much credit back then. But he was always very much on the fence with that. And I was more like, no, you know, so impressionable. She grew so up there. Yeah. She, yeah. she accepted Christ. She grew up there. I had come already from like, uh, prior to that, I already come to a church there. And they're yeah. my family. Yeah. You know, so I was like, Uncle. yeah, that's no way. And yeah. we always get, I would get in trouble because I would butt heads with them where the leadership would be like, that's not how it should be. That's yeah. not right. Yeah. That's not right. Yeah. You know, so. But she grew up in that, so she thought, no, this is how it is. Yeah. You know, and, mm -hmm. This is how we have to do it. You know, yeah. we have to, if we honor them, God is going to, you know, God is yeah. going to be pleased with us. That's yeah. the teaching behind it, you yeah. know. And yeah. it, um, well, so, 
Yeah, but well, going back to to the trend, the transition with pastors and leaders, yeah. we had mm-hmm. that the pastor Acosta has really yeah, made. huge, yeah. huge yeah. difference. Yeah, I was just gonna say I th- a couple things that come up for me when you guys are sharing your story. The first one I think about to be a second or first gen that 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 Joshua, let's say the Joshua person, where you're yeah. kind of up in it around it, you understand this culture, but you're looking into like we'll say the land of Canaan or the promised land, or you're like looking into your new six figure job or like this different kind of reality. You're in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles. It's Mm -hmm. 2022, 2023. You have a whole different mindset than your parents who've come here or whatever this story is. And there's this mindset when you talked about like um, groceries, like it's, it's in everything, the way that you you're brought up in, it is a mindset and you're like, well, I'm not in that mindset anymore. But one thing that you talked about, the feeling of being judged when it's like, that doesn't fit me anymore. But if I, if I go where, where it fits me, like you're talking about this story back to that first church, it's like, if I make any kind of shift or adjustment, then I'm judged for that. And it's almost like I get ostracized or marginalized even more from the community, like sent out in sin, you guys talked about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that, that, I think that's important to talk about. Like we're talking about people within their own community, looking at yeah. the generation ahead of them, their parents, their uncles, their aunties, their tios and tias. And like, they're looking up and those people are saying like, you know, this, you're not behaving the way we expect you to behave like this. And, and both mindsets don't, like when you're coming from that old mindset, looking downward or looking at the next generation coming up, you're thinking those kinds of decisions wouldn't have worked for me. And the heart of it, I would imagine is always love and protection. But then you start yeah. to feel like that wouldn't have worked for me. You got to do what worked for me. And the younger generation is looking up like the world is not the same. Like what worked for you is not going to work for me. And I might not want what you have right now. Like I might want a different mm-hmm. kind of life with a different kind of balance. I might mm-hmm. want to like, be with my friends or go to a basketball game or go to a football game at this mm-hmm. time and not do like church 24 seven. But I, I know like from my personal experience, my mother, the ways that she followed Christ and like she found hope and provision and all kinds of things in following mm-hmm. God in the way that she did. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what she, you know, for her, that's like, this is what brings comfort if you do it this way. And I, mm-hmm. so I could just imagine that older generation looking that way. So I wanted to call that out about the judgment that people feel. This is within mm-hmm. our own communities where we can feel judged by the generations ahead of us. who are looking back saying like, yo, I don't know what you're doing. Like that doesn't look like how I follow Jesus. So I'm not sure if that's actually yeah. even following Jesus, which, you know, is, is not our job. The mm-hmm. other thing that you talked, and this is what you said that was really important. You said this, uh, Sheila, you said, um, we relate to God differently. Like I, you talked yeah. about that generation that says like, yes, I, I, the same God, but I relate to that God differently. And to me, I think that's an important conversation when we talk about race and culture, we are all following, like we have the same scriptures. We're all following Jesus and seeing Jesus through these scriptures, Yahweh, God, the spirit, how does God move? But we are all relating to God differently. I would say from our own very unique experiences. But then I think like, there is a Latino, there's a brown experience. I think about Dr. Chao Romero, his, his book, Brown Church, is 500 years of like, how has the church grown and developed? It's right mm-hmm. behind me. It's right here. Uh, how, is the, how is the brown church? What is it meant to be brown? I think about like um, liberation theology from South America and the ways that it, it honored people and like the priests Christian Protestant priests, Catholic priests were coming in and trying to create leadership from top down, but they created from the ground up saying, no, we honor each other's voices. We can be leaders also. And all of that, like black theology came from those moments in South America where brown bodies were saying, no, God is at work in every single person here, not just the priests. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, for me, when I think about that, like we all relate to God differently. There's a way that for me, when I walk into a space that feels white, I'm mm-hmm. like, and my mother's white and my dad is black, but mm-hmm. I still like, it still feels different where it's like, I relate yeah. to God differently than this. And I remember being on staff at a, at a mega church that was like more white. And I remember being like, I think that these people are excited. This is just how white people are excited. 
Because at the black church, the music will be different and like excitement looks different, right? It's all, I would almost be like, oh, this is like intellectual excitement. But over there, that was like, that was embodied excitement. So, yeah, and literally, yeah. I would be like, I was just trying to like make sense of it because like you said, Sheila, I was relating to God differently. So when we think about diversity, like everyone relates to God differently. And, th- and that's even wider than just like, Christianity, but I'm thinking about within our Christian tradition, every single person is relating to God differently. And I think that's really, really powerful. I'm going to get into scripture now and see what you guys think about Revelation 7. I'm going to read it and then y'all can tell me what you think in it as it relates to like these diverse voices and diversity there. So here we are today, Revelation. I'll read verse. Uh, Chapter 7, verses 9 through 14, I think. I was going to make a joke, but I I better not joke right now. Go ahead. Yeah, it wasn't real. They would just be like, Grandma, reading today. You know, put on a little nasally voice. But, well, here we are, you know. And and I think what's important, something that comes up for me today is John being sent out. He's in isolation. And he has this vision about... The future. And some scholars would say, okay, this vision about this time where the Roman Nero would come, and there's a way that this can be interpreted in the times immediately following him. There's a way that this can be interpreted into future. But he has this vision of the ways that things are going to be, a revelation of things to come. And this is where in chapter seven, verse uh verse nine, he starts to talk about something he sees. He says, After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. Salvation belongs to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne. And they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders addressed me, saying, well, who are those clothes in white robes and, and from where have they come? And I said to him, sir, you know, he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Okay. So I think what comes up for you too, when you hear that today, when we talk about uh, relating to God differently, feeling judgment, this amount of different voices, the ways that we encounter God differently, what comes up for you in that passage today? Well, I, you know, just uh, reading that, it's just, um, I can see how God is gonna gonna bring a, um, a a harvest, a new harvest, a greater harvest than the world has ever seen before. You know, with this, because mm-hmm. here it says a, a great crowd, right? Mm-hmm. And it's obviously talking about the people people here that's gonna be during the tribulation. You know, and the great, mm-hmm. the great thing about during that time, you can see a lot of, a lot of grace shown by God. Even though it's a, it's, it's a moment of tribulation, there's still going to be grace shown mm-hmm. by God. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's going to be a time like, oh, we've been left behind. No, but still God is going to be, people are going to be getting saved. And mm-hmm. these people who are going to get saved are all Gentiles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they're from different nations, different tongues, you know. So the awesome thing about it there is that God's still wanting to save more people and these mm. people we just imagining that seeing the robes washed with the blood of christ right but they're mm-hmm. white as snow you know mm-hmm. with the palms worshiping god you know that's their that's their, their 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 gift being like you know we gave our lives you know during this time and they're being rewarded for that and that's amazing that these people uh during this time are going to be given another opportunity you know because mm-hmm. even today there's still people saying rejecting God and rejecting the salvation, but God still in his great mercy is going to show kindness and grace to mm-hmm. these people, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. That's beautiful. What do you think? 
Um, you know, we were d- discussing this a bit, my husband and I, the the scripture, and you know, one of the things that stood out for me, I, I would say that I shared with him also is mm. it's it's a hopeful. Yes. You know, because I think with um, it, sometimes we can it can try to cross those cultural lines and and um and unite the church can be so overwhelming because we don't always know how to approach it. But mm. when you see this this scripture here, it's hopeful because it's letting us know that God is going to accomplish that. Yes. That he's going to mm-hmm. finish the work that he started. That the responsibility mm-hmm. of uniting the church and spreading gospel to every nation, tribe and tongue is on him. He's taking it he's taking it on himself. He did that when he went on the cross. Mm-hmm. He, it was his goal to um, to, to reach every nation, tribe, and tongue. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do that. Our job is to partner with him and with his Holy Spirit so that he can lead us to do the, to, to partake in the work that he's already doing. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't need us <laughs> to do this. It's, gonna, mm-hmm. it's already written. It's going to happen. But the beautiful thing about God is that he loves to partner with us and to work mm-hmm. with us. So I just, mm-hmm. you know, in reading this this scripture, this scripture, I think it's so hopeful for us who, you know, um, people, minorities and things like that, who who fe- might feel at times um, a lot more of the resistance or, uh, uh, you know, because of our culture or our race, whatever. It's hopeful to know that God is working and that mm-hmm. his, his message is going to reach everyone, whether we see, whether we see that it's possible or not, you know, so um and, and one of the amazing things too, um, uh, from from a not you know this might not be from a theological perspective because I know my husband was going a little bit more <laughs> mm-hmm. deep mm-hmm. in what's going on. P- these are the people who were going uh, being martyred and and all that. But um, it just you know talks about the how they're dressed in white robes and mm-hmm. uh, the robes always represent kind of the identity that God gives people. You know when the the prodigal son left his home and he comes back and asks for forgiveness with the father. He's clothed Mm -hmm. with a brand new robe. And that's Mm -hmm. because, you know, it represents the fact that he's made new again, that he's been Mm -hmm. cleansed, that he's now, he's not this son who had run away. Now he's back into the family, you know? So he's, we're talking here about every nation, tribe and tongue and how God clothes us all equally, you Mm -hmm. know, and Mm -hmm. he closes all in purity and we're all, um, uh, e- equally uh, loved and accepted before him. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what, I, what I found in this that I thought was amazing. That, that's extraordinary. I, I, I love that. You know, I think that reminder from both of you, I think the reminder from you, Moises, that like God is at work and God's nature will always be love and grace and there will always be invitation mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be made new or welcomed back into wholeness mm-hmm. and to, to your... Mm-hmm status in the family of God with mm-hmm, the white robes, mm-hmm. which I think ties to what you're saying, Sheila. And I think that also, you know, what you're saying, Sheila, about diversity, that it's God's mission. I think that's important. Like I, I really feel ministered to by your perspective about that because it's like it can feel so hopeless or so taxing or so impossible. Mm-hmm. That like, yo, how are we gonna get like all these people in the same room? And not that we necessarily need to, but back to like, again, what you said about relating to God differently, but God, God is concerned with everyone encountering God, everyone encountering wholeness and new life in Christ. And God, that's God's mission. So God is about that. And we're supposed to be faithful to where we sense God's spirit leading us. And how do we be faithful to that in our invitations and our ability to help people relate to God from where they are, just like you guys are being faithful to create a space that speaks to people like you and people like that you've named, like these young families Mm -hmm. who find Mm -hmm. themselves displaced from like this culture. This doesn't really speak to me anymore. I relate to God differently now, but you guys are creating a space where people can relate to God naturally. And I think just that reminder that God is at work raising up leaders and like, inspiring people through the spirit just to like create spaces where people can relate to God naturally from the places that they are, from their location, their social location, their economic location, like for them to encounter God. I think that's, that's a really beautiful and great reminder. And it, and also like, I don't want to take it lightly to 
Like, just remember that we all have a responsibility to represent God from where we are. But that might not relate to everybody. It's just going. It's going to speak most powerfully to the people who relate to God in the same way that we do. I guess you know what I'm saying. I, I hope that that's yes. clear. Because I, I know sometimes, like I know sometimes, I find myself trying to stretch to communicate to someone who's in a different right. space or stage. And I think that's yeah. that's yeah. hospitable and it's kind. But the reality yeah. is that my perspective, my life, my relationship with God, my beliefs and walking with God, those are going to relate to God and relate to people who have similar experiences or from similar spaces. And I think it is hospitable. I think that's where the growth of maturity edge is, is to like, how do I communicate in a hospitable way that takes people's culture and their station and their um, social location into consideration? How do I try to meet them there? But also holding that intention and just understanding that like, and God has made me and this is my story and where I'm from and this is how I see God and this is how I communicate about God. And that's going to resonate with different kinds of people. And I'm not, and I guess ultimately, like you said, Sheila, like I'm not responsible for that. Like God is at work in that. I'm responsible to be faithful, but like, right? Like God is the one that brings the increase, so to speak. Like we sow and water and all that stuff, but God is the one that gets the increase and in where we see the fruit. So, Amen. man, I so appreciate being able to have a conversation with y'all. I so appreciate your perspective and your story. So would you let us know, one, the name of your church, how we can follow you, social media, how we can get signed up on your newsletters and how we can give and support you guys as you guys continue to grow? Yeah, the name of our church is uh, Next Generation Church. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, and we're right now we're based on East Los Angeles, um, and we have services on Tuesday nights at seven thirty p.m. The address to uh, the building is five one five. I don't know if you need the address. <laughs> no, well, just give us a website or wherever we go to get information. Well, you know, we have we have an Instagram which yeah. is uh, Next Gen Church mm-hmm. uh, LA, um, and we also have a Facebook which is under the same thing, Next Gen Church. Mm-hmm. LA. Perfect. That's the only name I can find. Yeah. Okay. Is there a giving link or something on there where we can support you guys? No, no. To be honest, my my uh, my social media game is very weak. Yeah. So uh, you'll see a couple things on there, but but not a lot. We we probably need somebody to lead that. This is probably the so, first time we'll ever we'll ever be on Instagram. Let's do your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> we're not. We're not too. Uh, we need to. We need to. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, That's okay. We're I think. I think the space that you're in now is a beautiful space to build a community and focus on your core and like love each other well and also get clear about who you are and how you want to show up. Instagram is, yeah, I I feel like you're doing the real work. So I don't feel any shame about like the marketing side of it through like social media. Man, you guys are doing incredible. (laughs) Well, thank you for your time. And those of you who are listening, uh, we're really grateful for you. And I'm grateful for the ways that you will be praying for Moises and Sheila as they journey, as they continue to lead, as they continue to discern God's voice for them. Um, Let's be prayerful for them and for Next Generation Church LA. So much love, y'all. Let's continue to pursue Christ-centered diversity as we realize Revelation 7-9. Thanks, y'all. Peace. Peace.